0: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host,
1: Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome. Another great episode of Dose of Leadership coming at you. Thanks for tuning in. We've got Amit Sankaran on the show. He is the CEO of Religion of Sports. Religion of Sports is great. As I was doing my homework for this, man, you talk about binge watching. You could really get lost in all of their media content. And that's what Religion of Sports is. It's a media company that was co founded by Tom Brady, Michael Strahan, and Gotham Chopra. Gotham Chopra is the son of Deepak Chopra. Religion of Sports creates this, um, it's really good. Best in class content is the best way to describe it. And they're focused on, their brand is focused on the human slash emotional storytelling all around the world of sports. And when you think about it, sports really is, isn't really like a religion. It is a religion when you think about it. I mean, sports provide meaning, they provide purpose, significance to both the participants and to us as spectators, coaches, broadcasters, family, friends, fans. I mean, you think about how powerful sports is. What a great concept to create this Brand religion of sports. They are a diverse, kind of forward thinking collective of filmmakers, of podcasters, of writers, designers, thinkers, and makers who believe in the power of storytelling. And I love it. And they show why sports matter so deeply all around the world. And Amith is the CEO of it. And he's got an amazing story. I love hearing everybody's story, but I love Amith's story because it's non traditional, right? When you look at his background, you know, he didn't think he would be doing something like this. And it's a great example we've heard many times on the show where somebody feels drawn towards something. And I think this is what's important. He felt drawn towards something. Instead of kind of listening to, you know, what's expected of you, either from external factors like your parents or society or relatives and friends and or even yourself and your own ego thinking this is what you should be doing, He really listened to his gnawing and took a leap, not knowing where it's going to lead him. And now he finds himself in the middle of this multimedia company, creating great content, interacting with Tom Brady, Michael Strahan, and Gotham Chopra. I mean, it's an amazing story. So we talk about that, about the mindset of what it takes to be a part of that, what it's like to be a part of that, listening to that gnawing, that kind of calling, if you will, and acting upon it. And that's what I love about this conversation with the Meath. So many great nuggets of wisdom, insight, and it's just an entertaining conversation. You're really going to enjoy it. It is brought to you by my good friends at Hutton Construction. Hutton Designs, they build and service commercial construction projects all throughout the Midwest, and they're longtime fans of this podcast. They're committed to the highest standards in leadership, and they're supporting this episode as a sponsor, and I couldn't be more proud. They're behind so many projects, Stunning structures built from the ground up to remodeled hospitals, medical offices, manufacturing, industrial facilities, municipal buildings, financial institutions, churches, schools, you name it. These days, they're both architects and builders because increasingly that is what you want, right? If you're going to build something, you're going to want a single trusted partner to work with from start to finish. They get that at Hutton. No drop balls there. Only their vision delivered from paper to structure. And it's more than a construction project for them. It's a creative endeavor. And they put people over projects, always, that goes to how they treat their clients, their employees, their community. Character counts for them, and that's how they show it when, they're, when they select their staff, their subcontractors, how they serve their community. It's not lip service. I know these people personally, and they're the real deal. They're professional, hardworking, and charitable, Midwestern in all the best ways. That's their culture, which really is no culture at all. It's just who they are. That's Hutton. If you want to learn more, go to HuttonBuilds.com slash TogetherWeBuild. That's HuttonBuilds.com slash TogetherWeBuild. Thanks for being a fan of this show. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't done so, subscribe, rate, and review like I always ask you to do on your favorite podcast application. Keeps us front and center in a growing sea of two and a half million podcasts now when I just recently looked. But Dose of Leadership is in the top one half percent of all those podcasts out there. And it's because of you and your support. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for listening and telling somebody about this show. Go check out doseofleadership.com for all my services, speaking, coaching, coaching, And my Dose of Leadership University, where you can interact and be a part of a growing community of like-minded leaders like you, looking for significance, looking to become the best leader that they were called to be. Find out more at doseofleadership.com slash university. All right, let's get on with this great conversation with Amith Senkarin, the CEO of Religion of Sports, here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Amith, welcome to Dose of Leadership. I'm excited to talk to you, man.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Religion of sports. Uh, you know, I love media companies. I love content creation. And I love the story behind sto- sports. I was binge watching a lot of the stuff. Um, man, that one, the space between, the one about the Isla, man. Holy cow, man. That's some crazy stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That, that Yeah. Isle well,
0: you man. as a pilot probably have been one of the people who felt something like that. Like, well, yeah, not, at that.
1: The, not at not quite at that level. But, guys, you know, <laughs> Just looking at that camera of some of those guys, you know, kind of like in the nose camera, whatever it is, it doesn't look real. It looks like there's, it's just like, it's so fast. It's like that cannot be a human being should not be going that fast in the open air like that. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting, right? It's good to use that example to think about our bar business like that. That was a, that's a race. I of man for people who aren't familiar motorcycle riders are riding 200 plus miles an hour. Um, you know multiple people die every year on it mm-hmm. um uh but but these these writers are passionate they're excited that's what they live for and you know that's the essence of what we started this business based on is you know there are stories that are that all when you say religion sports, the words to people people whether they're a deep sports fan or not you get it quickly mm-hmm. say oh yeah you know I'm part of the alabama auburn rivalry right i you know, grew up in, um, in, in Germany and in, um, Bayern Munich and, you know, whatever it is, people, people get it right away. And so our, the whole thesis for the business is around things like Isle of Man bring to light these kind of uh, pushing the boundaries of human potential, um, uh, making yourself do things to drive growth in ways that are in some ways feel unnatural. Um, and you you can start to think about that in parallels. And so that's, that's, what's really exciting.
1: It is exciting. And, you know, I don't know, did you play any sports when you were growing up as a kid? I did.
0: Yeah. I was never, uh, never a, I'm an unmasked sports fan. I grew up in Houston. And so it's almost a bad word to say Astros fan, but also (laughs) (laughs) Oilers. Right. Uh, then I went to, 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 to undergrad at UT and was a big Longhorn fan, but, but playing as well. Yeah. I tried, tried to play baseball, basketball, tennis growing up. And by the time I was in high school, wasn't a, uh, a quote unquote professional in any of those things anymore, but, but yeah, I'm mean, a huge and still play in, you know, an over 40 now rec basketball league in town. And so but you try to, you try to keep yourself uh, in shape at least and, and get some of the competitive spirits out.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, same, same here. I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I played it all, played all the sports and like in high school kind of stopped playing and then I rode in college and the rowing actually. Taught me a whole other level of sportsmanship and teamwork that I'd never really experienced, and and kind of led me to if I gave me a a, took me from being this kind of arrogant, cocky eighteen year old to kind of someone that understood what it meant to really sacrifice for the team and not quit, right? And tenacity and all that other stuff. I mean, but that's what's so great about sports, and that's kind of where I'm going. I'm like, even though you and I weren't all that great at sports, I can bet. If you're anything like me, I mean, you even now you can think back to when you're eight, nine, ten years old. Some of those fundamentals that really did shape you, and probably I mean, they, they had to contribute to any modicum of success that you've had up to this point, right? Wouldn't you agree yeah. with that?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no. We we talk a lot about we use all these different terms um, in our business. Why sports matter? Our tagline or game of life, right? This 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 idea that um, as kids. Yeah, you, you learn I see it through my kids who are, who are now 12 and 9 you learn um, basics of teamwork and passing um, not just in practice but in a game when you're faced with conflict and um, and then dealing with failure Like son just <laughs> finished his soccer season without a win and you know he, he's th- there's this version of them we're just like still having donuts and happy but then you know you'd be in the car and say that's that wasn't fun soccer's not fun and then we'd have this broader conversation around mm-hmm. well but what did you actually pick up and and you know you got better you made this pass you, you so i think there's there's a lot um that's just wrapped into this kind of not really explicit but more implicit set of experiences mm-hmm. that um part of what we're trying to do is not necessarily make it uh boring or basic or you know overly instructional but you know, a little bit more explicit and a little bit more come to life by you know, here's the content. And sometimes we use that with people, uh, with stories like Isle of, Man, Isle of Man. And then what we found is it's actually easier to do that with with higher profile athletes and celebrities because people resonate. They know, they already know something about those people. They already know that Tom Brady, you know, has won seven Super Bowls now or, or you know, a little bit with his backstory or LeBron James or whoever. And so then it becomes even easier connection point to still kind of get lessons across to kids and others as well. Mm
1: -hmm. What I like about what you're doing, I don't know if this is part of your uh, explicitly part of your mission or what you're trying to accomplish with creating a religion religion of sports. But it's almost like when I watch some of these and then even when you think back to some of those great documentaries that were – why is that name escaping me? The last dance, the Michael Jordan one that came out a couple of years ago, you know, it's, it's for me anyway. And, and even when I talk to people around, them, we watch some of these and what I appreciate what some of the content that you're creating is that it's less about, and I think a lot of times when we look at sports, we look at these sports figures and we're always talking about the talent, the talent, the talent, but I'm, I learned long ago that it's like the talent is the given part of that, right? The talent is like you have – it's like a given that you have to be talented to be at that arena. And that's why I get really interested about, well, what's the other thing? And that's what I think you guys do well with your content is that you're rarely talking about the mechanics and the talent. I mean sometimes it's, it's organically in there, but it's never about why is this person so talented.
0: It, it, that's it, it's 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 super interesting, and you know maybe if, if you allow it, maybe two minutes on a little bit of a detour here to come back to that point because I think it's 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 like the center of our business. Um, my my who's our creator, and you know his dad is Deepak Chopra, and his dad kind of you know through had this renaissance as Gotham was a teenager of of being a four you know one of the foremost. Um, uh, evangelists yeah. to use, you know, uh, no better term of, 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 uh, of mindfulness. And this concept of, of spirituality and really the, the concept of religion and sports came from Gotham telling his dad sort of everything you talk about in relig- religious or spiritual context, I feel and live and breathe in sports, but it's a little deeper than that, which is if, if you, if you talk to Deepak and he talks about what are the elements that create kind of human success for any of us, they boil down to physical, but then mental, spiritual, emotional, and some version of um, uh, you know relationships, and and so he, uh, what we've kind of done and found is when you think about sports and you're thinking about to your point elite success, you talk to Tom Brady or you talk to uh, Simone Biles who we're working with right now or or anyone who's at the peak, they all kind of say exactly what you described: physical, yeah, that. I figured that out a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's actually much more, and they describe it in different ways because it is less tangible, right? It's very, very ephemeral. It's but, but mental and emotional uh, is is, and they and they all kind of say things, um, and they use techniques that have worked for them over the years, and they're not necessarily the same. Some people meditate. Some people, you know, have rituals before they walk out on the field. Some people make sure that they have no one around them in the morning, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but but there are different things that they do that they find work for them, but it's all that um, and inconsistency, right? And then consistency of that that application that that creates kind of those dynamics for success. And that's what we find like very compelling to bring out to the world is getting that out from everyone is actually really interesting to hear.
1: Yeah. The consistency piece always comes up in these conversations and it is something that, that, I don't know if it gets underplayed or it's not as appreciated as much, but it ties into the tenacity too. It's always about the tenacity. It's always about, and that's what just fascinates me in any endeavor, in a life and death situations. I mean, when I study, you know, a history guy studying Marine Corps combat things and like, why did, why did they win the day? And it was less about strategy, skill and talent, and it was always about fortitude, grit and tenacity and how, how we can reach there is always amazing to me. And, and I, I don't know if there's a tangible answer to how you get,
0: you know. Yeah, it's interesting. We're doing this uh, Tom Brady project called Man in the Arena, which is with ESPN. We announced it, I think, a few months ago, and it's coming out later this year. And it's about his 10 Super Bowls um, and uh, and and what he basically learned from each one that he applied to life and, and, and actually made a difference in the next. And it goes really deep into him and others and so forth. But actually, it, in the first episode, he talks about exactly that point where he's like, you know, it's interesting. I, I I think about it and um, you know, you think about twenty years now and you're like, Wow, but yeah. that's a long time and I did a lot. But each step is just like I just keep putting one foot in front of the other and I don't feel like a big deal. It's just like, oh, I got up, I drank my hundred ounces or two hundred ounces of water, I exercised and but you know, he kind of is in a really unique point, a really really unique both point is career but also uh and stage of life but also visible place mm-hmm. where people can kind of see the value of that consistency uh over a long period of time you know there's a book called um atomic habits
1: yeah i was just getting ready to mention that yeah was, oh I'll, were you yeah were i was you? just getting ready to say I, it, what was going through my mind is like yeah it sounds like atomic habits and yeah great book you know? yeah
0: Absolutely. yeah it's awesome tom's it too. but the getting one percent better every day mm-hmm. is like the version of that, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a a really compelling version.
1: It must be so exciting to kind of be around that type of energy, that type of excellence, you know, with the founders that you have, how have you seen yourself change from when you've got this gig to being surrounded by this and working at this? Have have you seen yourself? You can't, I mean, that's, I'm a big believer that you're, you're the summation of the, five people you're hanging around, right? Whatever that kind of old adage is. And it's so true, right? And you get around that kind of energy, you yourself change. I I see that change in myself when I get around those people. Have you noticed that in yourself since you've kind of had this gig?
0: That's interesting. Interesting question. I, um, yeah, I think one of the things that's at its essence of the, yes, is the short answer. And I think, um, one of the things that I very, some of it's just, it's a byproduct, your point of the energy and what's happening. But very explicitly early on, I was thinking to myself, you can't talk about being the best version of yourself, peak humanity. We use that language a lot—physical, mental, spiritual, everything I just described—unless um, you're living it and you're you're actually trying to make yourself better yeah. in across those dimensions in every way. And um, and again, it goes back to people. People um, um, manifest that in different ways. What works for them. Um, but I've done a lot more of certain things, like you know, that 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 allow me to perform, um, you know, whether it's read or meditate or exercise, um, than I did before. And I think it's because I see the, to your point, I see the value in that, and, and I also get that energy from others. And yeah. and whether that's our founders, um, gone to my business partner, some of the members of our team. We've got a phenomenal board. I think the great thing about our business is that energy kind of, to your point, attracts. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Um, and so we've got a phenomenal board and investors and and people who also have really excelled and 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 you know you listen to them and you, know, you as a curious person as a as a podcast host I'm sure I do this all the time but I listen to them and meetings and just you know pick up uh,
1: oh, right you know, osmosis. Red, yeah.
0: Redstone's mm-hmm. uh, a board observer at all our board meetings been one of the most successful women in media over the last several decades and just listen to you know what has worked for her where's her passion coming from what draw you know that's those kinds of things are, are fascinating to be a part of
1: yeah how fun yeah that's great so how do we how did we get here That's this is what i'm really curious about because we were taught we were touching a little bit on this in the pre-recording because i would bet when i was you know doing my homework on you and looking through your LinkedIn profile. I'm like, oh, interesting, you know, and you got to go to Columbia, this, that. And I can just, I would imagine you had a set path, a dream when you're starting your freshman year at UT and then you said, okay, I'm going to go get my master's at Columbia, which is holy cow, you know, Ivy League, here we go. I'm punching my ticket. This is this is the plan. I bet you this wasn't in the plan. I I would, you know, when you were sitting back there that you would be at the head of this, you know, helping run this media company with, you know, creating this content that I can guarantee you that probably wasn't the plan. Is that a fair statement? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a very fair statement. It's, it's interesting. It's, it is, uh, it is. it's been very serendipitous. And, and I think, uh, you know, to your point, I, I did, I did go into, to, to both uh, undergrad and more so grad school, the very specific plan writing down kind of goals and dates and, and, uh, and and titles and all kinds of nonsense, honestly. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and, and, but, but, you know, to, to whatever degree of either, you know, uh, uh, success or, or, um, or maybe, maybe uh, sometimes ineptitude, who knows, but, but I hit a a lot of those. And, and then I decided, yeah, I had two at the time, small kids um, in my late thirties decided that traveling the degree I was and working the hours I was Mm -hmm. and consulting wasn't for me and and forced me to take a step back and think about what I wanted to do. And I think that's where I made, you know, one of the first calls that was totally counter to all of this, which is I really thought about what are the environments in which, where I get really energized to kind of go back to the earlier question and what, what are the characteristics of those things? And and inevitably it kept coming back to small dynamic. Like it, it was, it was, where change actually happened um the the, the the degree of steps between wanting to do something and that manifesting itself being being small and so that was very counter to i was at the boston consulting group for about eight years very counter to i would say 90 95 percent of the people who left most people who left boston Consulting group went to um you know large corporate jobs strategy jobs and so forth And, um, and so that was, but it was a very explicit decision that I want, I want to do something that was a little bit more, more dynamic entrepreneurial, looked at, looked at various roles, opportunities, went to, um, actually work at a family office here in Dallas, uh, which is, you know, for those who aren't deep in the world of investing and so forth, it's, it's sort of a, a wealthy individual and a family who has capital that they want to allocate this, um, gentleman, his name is Mort Meyerson. He was, um, the CEO of, of EDS and Ross Perot's right-hand guy for 40 years in Dallas. Um, he, he invested more in direct businesses, so, but in smaller. So five to 50 million in revenue would invest in those businesses and had amassed a portfolio of say a dozen or so of those businesses. And I joined him to help kind of run and or be an active board member uh, in those businesses and also look for new new targets. And I did that for a few years, and in my mind, that was more action-oriented and so forth. And as we kind of got through, I kind of found myself in a similar kind of quandary after a few years, saying, "Well, it's super interesting, but it also doesn't feel like I'm I own anything. I feel like I'm coming in again in the consulting mindset. Well, making change. Some things are going great. Some things are going terrible, and we fix them, uh, or, or or actually sunset businesses. But it but it didn't feel like it was mine, and uh, and about the same time, Gotham, you know, who's a friend of mine, and I reconnected. This was, you know, probably in fifteen or so, and you know, he, as I gave you a little bit of his background, he's a prolific filmmaker, had made uh, Kobe Bryant's movie Muse, mm-hmm. um, which aired on aired on Showtime, and that one was was a huge win and success for him, of not only creating something that's super compelling, but getting a reputation for working with high profile uh talent and getting something authentic and raw out of them and he and kobe had a phenomenal relationship for several years um, and and so uh he had set up the show religion of sports he got to know tom brady and michael strahan had set up a show called religion of sports on at t's audience network at the time uh, that we own and license uh license to them so we own the brand the trademark and so we started talking about look this, there's something more here this isn't just a show we feel like it's a movement. We feel like it's at a minimum a media company and and let's do something. And so we mapped out business plans and went to Tom and Michael and said, let's have you not just be executive producers on the show. Let's make you co-founders in this thing. Let's build this together. And they were super excited not to elevate their own profile, but because they believe in the mission we just talked about at the beginning of this podcast, which is, you know, they learn so much. Sports has given them so much. How can they use content and their celebrity to amplify that mm-hmm. and teach and help others? And that's really what this was built on. And, you know, can talk you through the journey beyond that, but that's how we got to that moment.
1: I love that. It's just, it's, I love how you're, you said serendipitous and I love that part of life, right? When you kind of listen to that and what I heard from you, when you were getting that point, there was a, at, you were smart enough to listen right to to the whatever that gnawing or whatever was internal there that's just something this is great i'm learning a lot but it just doesn't it's not filling the well right and i think that feeds into and even you know i can certainly relate and you know particularly i think in this society, we sit there and we set it and we got these plans, you're doing it, you're going to UT, you're going to the Columbia, you're getting the master's degree, you're writing all these things down. I did the same thing. But I think wh- where I kind of hit that splat moment was when I realized that kind of the big lie is that we put our value, our self worth anyway, into what we accomplish and what other people think of us. and I would bet a lot of that, I'm being presumptuous here, but getting the MBA from Columbia, doing these things like that, all those goals you probably wrote down probably fed into a little bit of what I just said there, right? I mean, wouldn't you think, just because society expects certain things from us, our parents expect certain things from us, we expect certain things from us because we want to be successful or whatever, but it wasn't until I did like you said, like, okay have the splat moment and the splat moment can be in varying degrees of splatness, but at some point you really do got to listen to whatever that the universe is telling you to go pursue. Right. I know there's yeah. I said oh, well, a lot there. Well,
0: yeah. well said. And I think, I think, um, you know, your stories, you know, from, from what I've, what I've briefly heard, even interesting that way. And that I'd love to hear like, you know, how, how did that, how did that manifest itself? in you early on, you know, whether it's external factors or not, but I think that's right. I think, I think that, um, you know, being, being, um, you know, having enough ego and belief in yourself that you can do something different, yeah. but at the same time, um, but at the same time, not, um, uh, you know, questioning uh, or it's not, not saying that so actually being actively questioning, um, why it is you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but to be honest, I, I when I look back now, I, I feel like I could have made certain decisions faster. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, at least, it actually took things like seeing um, real consternation in the family, which is like you're traveling and working eight hours a week, and you have a three and a one year old. My wife's working too. Like, something's not gonna not gonna work. And then, but then using you know using that in a way as um, a place to not only solve that, but maybe other problems that might have been under the surface, and then say what else. Yeah. What else does it does it create and drive? I think that's right. I think, you know, then you start getting at what your points are, which is, you know, what why am I really doing this? Is it me for me or is it for some kind of external perception mm-hmm. that I think I need to create? And um, and wow, that's doesn't make a lot of sense. And you know, what is what, what what really should should we focusing on?
1: I think we underestimate, you know, what is the work that is required. For you know, defining what outcome we really want. You know, I think on the surface, it sounds easy to say, well, this is what I want, but I don't think it's that easy. It's real easy for me to say things I don't like, but to say, to really focus down and say, this is what I want to accomplish and why, I think it's a tremendous amount of work that I don't think I've even fully, you know, uh, fleshed out. Right. I think, and I don't think it never comes to an end. I think you're constantly kind of upgrading that thing. I don't think you ever plant a flag and say, I've arrived and this is the plan. I think that's,
0: it's, it's it's interesting. There's actually this interesting discussion threads on, on Twitter and other places where, where luminaries go back and forth around this notion of, um, uh, follow your passion. Mm -hmm. And is that a good set of advice for, for graduates or not? And, and what does it mean? And, you know, I think the, the, the what I think people are saying when they're debating, I think in a lot of cases are saying the same thing, which is um, it's not good enough to say I want to be in and around sports or I want to be, uh, um, you know, a YouTube creator or whatever it is. Uh, but but more importantly, it's, um, you know, getting underneath, like, what are the characteristics, when you're spending 8, 10, 12 hours a day working, what are the characteristics of the working dynamic that yeah. make you feel energized, right. and how do you, whatever it is that you end up doing, if you're already an accountant or whatever, how do you create the dynamics where you maximize kind of that set of feeling that make you feel like you're getting, again, going back to the sports analogy, but into this flow state, right? Of like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. These are the people I'm supposed to be around. This environment I'm supposed to be engaging. This type of work. This type of decision making works for me. I'm introverted. I'm extra. You know those kinds of things, which I think are the right way to to tackle it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's that you you said it well. I mean, that's why it's so difficult, right? Because to sit there and say it's the difference. A simple example is if you know it's I I want to I I don't want to be fat anymore. Okay. Well, none of us want to be fat. And then you go, well, okay, I'm going to lose ten pounds. Okay, that's better. Then you're like, well, I'm going to use a lose a pound a week and even all of this that's still not good enough and really what it is 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 if you can get to the point where you can really truly define for example in this case for example it's like well what is a healthy what is a healthy person's life what does a healthy person do what does their life look like to the point to where this is what a healthy person does when they get up this is what time they get up this is this is what they do when they go to the refrigerator the first thing in the morning the first 30 minutes they do this this is what they drink this is what a healthy person does this is what a healthy person thinks right and when you start defining that and that takes a lot of work but if you do do that then that gives you the kind of the rocket fuel to to continue on when you don't lose a pound a week you, you instead you for that one week you gain right because now you've got this larger construct or this, this litmus of what I'm supposed to be doing as a healthy person. And now I can continue on. And I think that's what I I can't, but a guy like Tom Brady, I think that's probably what he he probably does it. Like, like it's breathing now, but I think that's probably how he lives his life and all these athletes that you see. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, totally. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, because I think what, where, you know, you get to at certain points is a lot of the stuff you're talking about gets to be, to your point, just that's life. That's the basics, and then it kind of goes to the next level for people, which is just like, well, then, but to shave off that tenth of a second in my hundred meter dash, this is what additional beyond physical I need to be doing, right. and and then it's like really pushing yourself in other ways, and you know, there's there's most Olympians that we, we, we're doing a couple things on the Olympics right now. Have, and in fact, we're seeing it more and more at, at kids' levels of mental coaches who are with people at all times. Um, uh, it's just a thing. That most teams have mental coaches um, attached, but now, you know, Olympians have individual, and then it's, it's like I said, getting into the AAU space and basketball and other places as well. Yes, you might have certain things figured out, but to really push boundaries, you need to go beyond um, beyond just physical.
1: Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation and I wanted to take the time to introduce you to Ben Hutton, the sponsor of today's episode. Ben, tell our listeners what Hutton is all about.
2: Hey, thanks Richard. You know, we're a huge dose of leadership fans here at Hutton, so I appreciate the opportunity to sponsor your your program and be with you here today. You know, Hutton is a commercial architecture and construction firm headquartered in Kansas, but we do work really throughout the Midwest designing and building things like hospitals, office buildings, schools, industrial and manufacturing facilities. But really, uh, more than that, we see ourselves as leaders in the communities that we serve.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you, knowing you all these years. I love your intention around leadership and your vision as a company. So what do you think makes Hutton different?
2: Sure. You know, Richard, our purpose is to build life into our employees' dreams, clients' visions, and communities' future. We really start with putting our people first, and then we keep people at the center of everything that we do, which really means we walk alongside of our clients from the very first thoughts they have about a building all the way through completion and then maintenance into the future.
1: I love it. I'm, that's why I'm glad that you're a sponsor of this show, Ben. So great. How can people learn more about your company?
2: Yeah, so to learn just a little bit more about us, you could go to huttonbuilds.com slash togetherwebuild. Great, Ben. Thanks for being a sponsor.
1: What is, yeah, I just thought of this. I mean, what? what, you, what is your thoughts on – what are your thoughts on kind of the negative stigma of young – particularly youth sports where it's so – I was talking with Gabby Reese about this the other day. We were mm-hmm. talking a little bit about this, about how it's so competitive and so cutthroat even that, you know, from six, seven, eight years of age, right, they, they're entering in, in these like elite academies and they're, they're – all year round they're learning, this kid's learning how to pitch, he's throwing, you know what I mean? And it's like, do you see, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like, it's like you have to be so competitive early on and, and you see that, you, you see those kind of parents who are, it's, it's all it's all or nothing, right? You know, the, the negativity of that. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, because that, that it's, it's certainly changed. This isn't like 1965 or 1975, you know, 2005, 2015, 2025 is completely different on how we approach sports. What what, what is your thoughts on kind of the, that, that negative aspect of it?
0: Yeah, no. Look, I, I, there, there's a um, there's a, a, a book called I don't know if you're familiar with it called Range by mm-hmm. David Epstein. No. Um, so it's a um, it's it's a book that basically it it, it juxtaposes a. Like, not remember, I think it was Federer and Woods. But basically, it talks about specialization um, versus in one kind of sport in that context, but also you know broader. It's talking about many things uh, versus being broad. And and I think one of the interesting takeaways was around how even if you have um, intensity. So to your point on like six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight girls getting really deep, um, broadening it across sports and. Allowing people uh, to do a little bit more of what again, going back to the same point we started talking about, like what do I really like about this thing? Mm-hmm. And you know, teamwork or you know, push actually creates the dynamics for long-term happiness and success, yeah, versus forcing down kind of specialization super, super early um, to the point where all right, well, that's just something I hate, but it's part of my, then you start associating it in a way yeah. with the sport or an activity. Um, anyway, it's one thought, but I think, I think more broadly as a parent, I, I feel like, um, you know, we haven't done that with our kids. That's <laughs> my kids are, uh, are, 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 are uh, unfortunately, um, uh, most athletically gifted at birth, but but they're good. And, and they enjoy doing what they're doing. I think that, um, I think just, 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 uh, it, but it, you know, it's 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 not only in, in athletics that we're come across this issue. No, you're it's right. Like
1: you're, you're it's happening right. In, in
0: software. It's happening in, <laughs> in everything else. And so, you know, balancing and finding ways to create space for people to find joy in things, I think, is critical across.
1: Yeah, uh, and I th- any endeavor. I think it's a leadership gap too, because it all because you see it even if you're watching like March, if when you're watching March Madness and you see all those a chance to watch so many different coaching styles and who does, you know, and it's the difference. That I'm always fascinated by the teams that where the coaches have this intensity of will, but they have this humble, teachable spirit as well, where, the, where they're, they have this humble, teachable spirit as well, where they're making sure they want, they see this sport as shaping this person's life, you know, like a mm-hmm. coach, like a coach K almost is an, I think, a, I think he's a good example of that. Right. I mean, you get someone like a, a Coach K at Duke, right? He kind of has that. I mean, obviously he's mm-hmm. playing at a whole different level, and I'm, obviously it's about winning and everything else. But or a guy like Tony Dungy, right? Like, like yeah. Tony Dungy is a great example. Like, that's the type of coach that I would want to play for, or uh, Andy yeah. Andy Reid, or something like that. You know, there's so many yeah, great yeah, examples it, out there.
0: It's it's a yeah. There's lots of, lots of great examples. And I, th- I think it's, it's this, and it's almost becoming, I would say it's, it's table stakes for college now to say, you know, your college football coach is a, you know, they use different a leader builder of men's character or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. It's, it's, it's this version of saying, how do I um, use this sport to help you, you know, because 90, whatever it is, the stat is 8% or 9% of you are not going to play professionally in your sport but how is this experience going to help you have a competitive advantage in life? Right. And how am I as a, as a coach going to help you get there? And to your point, everyone again, has different leadership styles and, and approaches to, to do that. Um, you know, we've had the good fortune of observing several of them. You know, we, we worked with Steph Curry for a year on this documentary stuff versus the game and saw mm-hmm. a little bit of Steve Kerr. And it's, I mean, there's, there's interesting like short clips with Steve and Steph, there's actually one that you can find if you Google it on, on, on YouTube or or, or wherever, um, where it's it's like a compilation of Steph working with uh, with Steve Kerr over several years. And what are all the different ways in which he, through body language and through subtle messaging, is just working on Steph's confidence? It's fascinating. Awesome. It's a, you know, pat in the back. It's it's keep doing it, like that kind of thing. Mm. And you can kind of see um you know it's definitely say it's directly impacted his growth but i'm sure it's one of many things but it's but it's you know those things make a real difference yeah right. right. even at a professional level so imagine you know for kids what, what a difference it makes
1: i love that yeah the great coaches are great challengers right the the cycling between the role of a coach and a challenger you know that's the whole leadership stuff right Oh, that stuff fascinates me what's uh, what's the what's the end goal what do you hope to accomplish with with religion of sports
0: yeah it's interesting i mean i would say from that exercise when i wrote something down with 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 tom michael uh, Gotham, and and where we are now i would say the mission hasn't changed in terms of evangelizing the message and and this is why sports matter it's about learning um, but i would say that the business model has changed and i think that where we're heading now, the, the way we kind of tag, the tagline we use for our business now is, is think about us as kind of Pixar for sports. Yeah. If, you, if you think about Pixar and what they built in uh, over many years, right, um, as now you know, as an animated now storytelling powerhouse that mm-hmm. now sits inside Disney, but is, it doesn't matter where you see something, you saw an animated short or a film, um, you know, even before you saw the logo, you knew yeah. what a Pixar film feels like. Uh, and they've done a phenomenal job over decades of brand building and creating something. And so what we found out early on is in unscripted television. So you know, in, in from 16 to 19, all we did was unscripted television, so documentaries and so forth. We found though that there's still a language that we would apply to everything we create. Gotham and then Eric, our creative director, we actually sat down last year and wrote a 15-page what we called creative Bible which is for any kind of project we take on, this is, the, these are the things that it has to have in it. It has to have a point of view uh, that's distinct. It's not just pure journalism and, and and us just telling you objectively what's happening. It's a point of view, it's a story, there are acts. And like, we, we kind of learn this after after doing this for so long. And then from 19 to now, and as we look forward, we've now started a scripted team, um, oh, cool. so we've got several several things in the kind of tv and film world that are in development we've started an audio team that's got substance we've got um we we by the end of the year hope to be the uh, we will be the the company with the most kind of narrative we call it podcast kind of these podcasts that are um you know produced over a six to nine month period with hundreds of interviews mm-hmm. that kind of tell a story yeah. around a particular topic um and so if you t- take a step back i, I think So now it's whether it's a digital short, an audio piece, a scripted piece of film or TV, or an unscripted piece, if you see it in the marketplace, you know it's a religion of sports piece of content. And that's, as we think about as our content load starts to really increase this year into next year, we think about us in five or 10 years, we want that to be ubiquitous, whether you're watching it on Amazon streaming service or Apple's or netflix or you're listening to a podcast wherever you can consume it or something that we're putting out directly we want that to be pervasive and that's that's the vision is this kind of comes to life in so many different ways
1: yeah like you said when you see the little table lamp jump like pixar Mm -hmm. you know what you're getting ready into you want you want that for a religion of sports like oh i know what i'm getting yeah this is going to be good because you
0: can can feel it here we go another
1: religion of yeah i like that man That's great. I love that whole concept of creation, right? I love I love creating content and that whole idea behind it and telling those stories. And I, you know, certainly it's been done with sports, but it seems different. You know, watching your stuff and binge watching your stuff, I love it. There is something different about it. I'm sitting here even trying I was trying to think about how do I describe what makes it different. And I don't really know what it is. There's a feeling there though, when I watched it, that there's something different about it you know, as opposed to watching something on ESPN yeah, or, or, on. or, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. We, sorry. It cut go out almost a little bit. Yeah. I was just saying it just, it feels, it feels a little different. I don't know. I don't know. I can't describe it right yet.
0: You know, it's not like there've been other phenomenal documentary work. I mean, 30 for 30 yeah, sure. Randolph of this and some of the work is just incredible. The OJ Sims, right? So many of, so many of their docs. I think what, one of the things that we very, um, early on decided, um, was as much as possible, we would make things current. And so while 30 for 30 is a lot of archival, yeah. let me go tell you the story that happened. We're very much living in today's day and age. And we think what that adds is an lem- element of why now? Why do I care about this thing? Tom versus time for us was Tom Brady turning 40. Will we make it or not? And we're going to tell you that story while it's happening. Um, Shut up and dribble, which was a, a, a series of films yeah. we did with LeBron and his company's. Spring Hill was in the backdrop of all the politicization in our country. How has basketball, in a weird way, um, been um, a, a weird cultural uh, light post for what's happening more broadly in America over the last 50 years? And we're going to tell you that story, but we're going to start with right now. We're dealing with this, with um, the divisiveness that's happening in our country, and basketball is part of the story. Now we're going to go back and tell you how this is not a new thing that's happened for the last 50 years. So that's that's been a lot of what we try to do. We're bringing that to life with some of our audio work as well. Um, uh, but I think that there are other elements to it than kind of creative Bible I was describing.
1: Uh, it sounds exciting. And I mean, you're hitting on some things there. I'm, I'm excited to hear about the scripted side of it, that you're, you're diving into that. That's a whole nother animal, right. And going into that space. Uh, yeah.
0: It's great. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's as a kid, I'm sure you, I don't know if you watch sports movie as a, yeah, as a kid, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean uh, growing up watching uh, everything from hoosiers to major league <laughs> right. to natural all these things that are just you know embedded in in what are some of my favorite experiences growing up to be a part of something like that is, is so exciting and so we've hired but the same thing we did in audio we're doing in scripted which is we feel like we have the infrastructure which is a creative bible a purpose of uh, a team but we want people to come join us who are experts in their fields who have the same uh uh, uh, vision. Who share our vision around creative and DNA, but who know how to do this. And so we've done that in audio. So with audio, we've brought aboard, you know, NPR, Thirty for Thirty, and other film, uh, audio producers, and we've paired them with writers from New York Times, Sports Illustrated, and others. And that's that's who's building things in audio. And, and in scripted, we did the same thing. So we brought aboard two scripted executives who've done this for for years and have made films, made TV shows, but have a real passion for doing it in sports. Yeah. And it's, it's working in the market. Um, I can't announce anything in scripted quite yet, but we've got um, we've got 15 things that are, we're talking about, but scripted takes forever. Oh, for, forever, for, for, yeah. For uh, sure. But we've got three or four that we're actually taking to market this summer that we think are really compelling that, again, are, are in that intersection of what is a religion of sports pro- project um, and, and do so in kind of this, this backdrop of, uh, uh, of scripted, which is different and, and fun
1: man, I'm excited to see that. Like I said, I mean, I just, you know, when I, when I found out I was interviewing you and learning about it and just binge watching it, it's, it's just been so fun. And then, like I said, I just, I can, I immerse myself in content. I love to, when I'm watching stuff, how, I wonder how they did that or how do they make that or why do they make that? Or I'm probably not your average viewer, but I love <laughs> I, I think you guys, yeah, you're,
0: you're a content creator. So yeah. You're, uh, I, you're building and you're, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's part of it. It's, 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 it's super, super exciting also, also for me to see. And, and, and we're learning also from on the scripted or audio side, something different. Yeah.
1: From, from the leadership. So you're sitting there, uh, at what point did you kind of realize, or, or did you kind of get slapped in the face with everybody that I, you know, this certainly happened to me in my own journey, but everybody we've had on this show, particularly when you get the entrepreneurial space at some point, you know, we're focused on it, the, the product is sexy, the whole idea processes and that at some point, you kind of get slapped in the face, like, I got to figure out leadership here, if I'm going to, going to be successful and sustainable in this role. When did that happen for you? Did it happen to you? Well, before this? Or obviously, when you been consulting, you're talking, about you know, about it's that.
0: interesting. Yeah, well, well, it's interesting, actually, I would say that, that, um, you know, if, if I were you know, talking to, to to business school students or consultants or people who are like who are trying to think about, do I want to go leave? What I found was was um, maybe maybe uh, intuitive when you think about it, but but I didn't think about it then. Which is you kind of I kind of had the toolkit. Um, I I'd led teams of twenty or thirty at, uh, as a part of large consultant teams. I you know worked with organizations of thousands of. And it's almost it was almost overkill in terms of the playbook that I de- had the good fortune of developing and, you know, didn't need a lot of it. But what what I've pulled in now is, you know, as we've scaled from, you know, two full time employees to you know, now we're 30 something and, you know, a lot of a lot of um, uh, uh, freelance and others around. It's sort of what, what, what do you start bringing in? We've just got our, our full time uh, person with a decade of HR experience on board now. And so now we've, we're into things like, you know, culture building initiatives mm. to, you know, 360 development process to all kinds of stuff like that, um, which, you know, you didn't kind of need, at, I feel like at five people or so, <laughs> right, right. but it's sort of like, but but as you start to scale, you think about, but at five, you know, an offsite really mattered that was formal that, um, that didn't feel like just what we did every day. And so we kind of put that in place. And so I, I feel like it's more, um, it, it hasn't been, um, uh, uh, it's been it's been really um, uh, I've been grateful to, to to lean on an experience set that I didn't really know I needed to early on as we started, but as we've grown has has been has come really in handy and you know deal with the things that no one you know, there's no job that's perfect of course no. there's so many things about this that so many times are not fun right. and you know everything from HR conflicts to. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, dealing with um, issues with our partners the legal challenges, all kinds of things that come up. Uh, but having kind of a backdrop and infrastructure and a team that I could, I could recruit and support as their support has been, been amazing. And so anyway, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it, it does. Kind of, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I can see that, you know, and, and obviously, you know, being in the consulting space with a, a major consulting firm, you kind of immerse yourself in those things and you're talking about those things, but just like this, I mean, me you know, consulting a company is different than me working in the company and dealing with those. And like you said, and yeah, with five, it's different. Now I got 30. It's amazing. Just even having 25 extra people, how different the challenges that you get faced with are for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. But you seem like a composed, you seem like, and I don't know what it's like to work with you, but you seem very composed. Like you have this very composed nature about you. Um, And I do think that is the foundation of – it's really about being the composed force in a chaotic situation. I say that all the time on this show, that that is foundational. And I guess that comes from me, from being the Marine Corps and flying planes, like where it's non-negotiable, you have to be. Yeah,
0: no, I can see – I mean, look, you're living it in a way that that others haven't. Um, But, but, you know, so chaos is all relative. right? (laughs) Right, right. But but uh but chaos that we deal with happens all the time. And so you, you productions are are messes, right? sure As You probably know. They're there, I mean and, and right now I'll give you an example. I could literally email I looked at before we jumped on here was we're working with Simone Biles on this project. And you can imagine um for anything you're putting on with the Olympics, there's not only Facebook we're working with, but there's NBC who owns the rights, there's the IOC. And there are issues that pop up every day, and so it's a matter of being able to say, you know, okay, it might be urgent, but there's steps to solving this thing, and mm-hmm. also nothing is nothing is at a point where it's putting everything at risk. So, you know, let's just step back and find a way to make it happen. And you know, but but the people on our team, Giselle, who who uh, runs uh, several shows for us, for example, is a woman on our team who is always fighting these fires. Just she's gotten to a point where you got a she's got a great handle on things. And we know that if something comes up that she's not dealing with, then yeah. that means there's some real issues. And so we gotta figure out a way.
1: <laughs> I love it, man. I think you, you I think you're doing great stuff. I, I love what you've built so far. I'm excited to see where it where it goes. I think you're on to I think you're onto something really great. And, you know, it's more than just telling a story about someone that's talented. It's really diving into what makes us tick as human beings and, and really challenging us. And if I look at a lot of the content, it's challenging us to, I mean, in a way that's where life is meant to be lived. Not that you have to get on a crotch rocket and drive 200 miles down the Isle of Man, (laughs) but you can learn something from the guy that says, you know, one of the guys says in there is like, you know, everybody thinks It's crazy. That I'm doing this, but I think you're crazy that you don't want to do this, right? Yeah, right <laughs> and right. so there's something to be learned from that. And that's that, yeah, that life is meant to be, you know, whatever that is, there is an Isle of Man for everybody out there. And it doesn't mean going 200 miles an hour down a mountain, you know, but it's there. And then what you, we're not here that long. So, so pursue it, you know, find it. That's
0: kind of what I get out of it, you know. 100%. I think that. I think that, um, you know, the most fascinating part of our board meetings, for example, is when, you know, the athletes are talking about places where they've, you know, lost themselves. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in a odd way, they remember every moment. Michael and Tom, Tom one time talked about how, you know, he, he, he was throwing a pass and Michael was coming around and he could have taken a free shot at him, but didn't. <laughs> and he remembers in his head that ah, that was a nice thing that Michael did to not take that <laughs> shot at me. And it's so weird. I mean, probably some random moment that happened yeah. you know, twenty years ago. But uh, but but it but it only comes to your point from you know living in that place where you're 100 of your senses are turned on and you're you're kind of in the moment, living life. Yeah.
1: Awesome stuff, Amit, We said a lot of stuff here. It's been such a fun conversation. Is there something that we haven't talked about that we didn't say that that you want to make sure gets across as we wrap this up? Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, we just launched a podcast. i might mention our podcast division. We had one that launched um, over seven weeks uh, uh, back in May called Crushed, which was um, which was about uh, the baseball scandal of uh, oh, steroids cool. in yeah. baseball, mm-hmm. and 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 we told the story through Joan, who's a who at the time was a 10-year-old girl living in St. Louis and found um uh, found out about baseball uh through the McGuire home run race, and then you know, now goes back and quite and is just was a sports illustrator writer and then worked with us now. So basically his whole life was shaped by that. And then when it turned around, kind of goes through a journey of now questioning, you know, what does that mean when you the heroes that you kind of worship are turn out to have flaws? And yeah. and it's, it was it's it was a fascinating story and and I'd love for people to, to listen to that. And, and, and broader than that, also, Ben Baskin, um, another Sports Illustrated writer we hired, just launched last week a podcast called Austin Sports. It's more fun, um, but going through a journey of investigating what are these things that we kind of heard about, like um, what's going to launch next week will be uh, something on the And One mixtape tour, which I don't know if you were familiar with that as a kid, but it was a basketball movement that started as a mixtape. Um, and took kind of the country by storm, ESPN license, the show. Um, but the deeper question there was around, well, why did it happen? And then what happened to all those athletes and who actually ended up making money and why? Um, and, you know, what you find is you got, you got a series of athletes who, who, uh, who didn't actually make a lot of money off of the tour and then you have some executives who landed in an interesting spot. So it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing. We, we have another episode coming around uh, uh, Mike Tyson's uh, biting of Evander Holyfield's <laughs> ear. And, and, you know, that ear was never found. And so Ben goes on a journey to try to find the ear. So there's, there's some interesting ones in, in Lost in Sports as well, which I hope people will listen
1: to. So Lost in Sports and Crushed. I'll have links yeah. to that on there. Anything else? Um, obviously, religion sports check that out so much content out there that's great to consume i'm anxious to see what the scripted stuff that comes comes out you guys are onto something man i I love what you're doing how else can people reach out to you um
0: Um, you know we've got we've got a a website and and a place actually we've got it we've got something called the creator network which we put in place and it's been fascinating to see so many different submissions are from around the world we get we get now i don't know we probably got 500 last year of just just different ideas and it could be documentaries that are well thought out. It could be ideas, it could be um, uh, audio concepts. It could be just people who want to work with us. but, but on our website, religionofsports.com, there's a creator section and you know if you have ideas you want to be involved, you reach out and um, and we'd love to love to jump into things. And there's been a couple now that we've taken all the way from concept to commercialization or. Oh, getting cool. data, fun. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Man, what a fun conversation. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, This is great stuff. I'll have links to all this. Uh, you got to check this this stuff out. Religion, sports, crush, lost in sports, podcasts, content, YouTube, scripted series coming out. You guys are taking over the world, man. I
0: love it. (laughs) It's been fun. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Really appreciate uh, uh, having a conversation with
1: you. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that those leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.